When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And what is up? Welcome in GC Live Monday episode of the show. Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark here. Hope y'all have been doing well. Plenty to get to today in what has quickly become a massive week for South Carolina's football roster, you would say, moving forward, Chris. And, man, I, I think um, you look – so, basically, class started today. This is uh, – I don't – this wasn't a thing when I was in school, Chris, but they call this – FDOC now, first day of class. I uh, don't remember that being a thing at all. No. Um, but first day of class on the University of South Carolina Columbia campus, which means time to solidify their spring roster at the very least. We know there's going to be another round of, you know, some guys leaving and some guys coming, you would think, as far as the roster goes. But for now, starting to solidify that, South Carolina hosted several transfers, uh, potential transfers, transfer portal guys over the weekend, adding two commitments on Sunday. Uh, Sidney Fugar, a transfer offensive lineman who profiles as an offensive tackle. And then, of course, Jerron Willis, a transfer from Ole Miss. Four years of eligibility, former four-star linebacker who could basically, I think, help South Carolina right away. Um, so, Chris, lots going down right now. You got the big sort of NFL draft cutoff coming up. And... Uh, Basically, man, if you're if you're a transfer, if you're a potential transfer who could be coming to South Carolina, you're gonna have to make your decision pretty soon as well if you're gonna make the cutoff to be there for spring practice. So could be a very important week or so for the Gamecocks. Yeah, it is. Uh more transfer portal activity coming down the pipe. I mean, January 9th today, West. So prospects still have, gosh, what's the official cutoff? 45 days from December 5th is when the transfer portal window will close for this particular cycle or window or whatever you want to think of it. Another one, May 1st through 15th, will open as well. Prospects don't have to commit to a school, but you do have to be in the portal um, at that particular time. So um, we know that South Carolina has two public commitments. They have another outstanding commitment. Uh, outstanding meaning uh, might be an outstanding player, but also a guy that uh, has not been revealed yet. We don't have a firm timeline on that, but we'll get into, the, you know, Jerron Willis, get into Sidney Fugar, um, talk about the rest of those guys. But, yeah, it is a big week, Wes. I think um, a lot of folks are wanting to know, A, when are we going to know the identity of the third welcome home? They want to know when will we hear something for sure about Spencer Rattler, about Juice Wells. And the way it looks right now, man, the answer to maybe one or all of those questions is it could really be any time, it seems like, from what we're hearing. Yeah, definitely, man. That That's why, you know, at some point this week, um, at least as far as the Carolina roster for 2023 goes, you, you it will kind of be taking shape, I think. And so we'll see certainly what the answers are there. Um, you know, I, I think those guys, I think there are some positive 
signs for South Carolina there with both guys, with Spencer Rattler and with Juice Wells, but um, those guys are still working through everything that goes into their final decision. And certainly, I, I think from a individual standpoint for both those guys, it makes sense to consider all your options, to take your time, and to make the best possible decision. Uh, certainly going to be an opportunity there for both those guys to increase their draft stock if they come back and have a massive year together. And kind of interesting, Chris, how tied together that decision is in that they are making their own individual decisions. But obviously, Juice Wells will be affected by if Spencer Rattler were to come back or not. And Rattler will be affected by if Juice comes back or not in terms of the connection we saw those two guys develop on the field this past season. Yeah, I mean, Juice Wells has been pretty upfront publicly about the fact that, hey, you got to see what my quarterback does. Um, Wes, not that that means that if Spencer Rattler decided to move on in a hypothetical world, that there's zero chance that that Juice Wells would return to South Carolina. But it is reassuring, right, for both of those guys. Top target for Rattler was Juice Wells. Juice obviously comfortable with Spencer Rattler and his talent level and, and what he can do. And those guys obviously gained a rapport during the season um reassuring you know like you said for for both of those guys so um i tend to think uh like you said encouraging signs for both nothing finalized timeline is obviously a kind of hard out you could say a week from today but the full expectation is that we'll know something maybe not even publicly west but at least behind the scenes i think we'll have a better idea of one direction um really really anytime and so those two like you mentioned kind of tied together and I think have been kind of going along the same way, same wavelength, and really probably the same timeline as well as this thing has progressed. Yeah, you would imagine once we hear on one, we'll probably hear on the other. Um, Lots of speculation throughout this whole process, I think. Um, There will be some actual answers from the only two people who can make those determinations. Spencer Rattler and Juice Wells here very soon. So we'll be tracking that, and we'll have, of course, as always, we'll have the latest on GamecockCentral.com. Before we move any further, Chris, I want to tell everybody about our buddy Clint Hammond. Had a chance to catch up with Clint down in Jacksonville at the bowl game, also at the Patrick Davis concert. Appreciate Clint, as always, being our presenting sponsor here on GC Live. ClintHammond.com, 803-771-6933. Clint is now with Movement Mortgage. So different name, but same great team. Um, I've done anything that had to do with my house. Uh, when me and my wife got married and we bought a house together, we first person we called Clint Hammond. So he has uh, been involved in any transaction I've ever been involved with. That'll stay exactly the same way in the future as well, as far as, um, anything with houses. So if that's something you want to do, if you want to own your own home, if you want to even know what your options are, as far as owning your own home, Clint is your guy. He'll walk you through this process. 803-771-693. Three, um, Chris. So the the beauty sometimes of transfer portal is that um, you know you can see what a guy does at the college level, and then use that as an evaluation piece. Um, in the case of Jerron Willis, um, he's only been at Ole Miss for quite literally like a semester, so not even a full year. He's been there for a semester, I think. Yeah. But um, you can go back. And four-star kid out of high school, top 250-level player as far as anybody in his class. 
top 25 linebacker. And um, really, I, I think if we talked about this earlier, man, if South Carolina was landing this kid out of high school, there would be a ton of hype for South Carolina to land Jerron Willis. So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, y'all, little programming note, too. We do these things live. If you're watching this right now, we are live. But we're going to start trying to do some segments where we cut these up and upload them separately. Make it a little bit easier if you don't want to listen to the whole show, don't want to watch the whole show, for you to be able to um, watch it. So if you see me sort of make a hard break going into something, that's just me kind of trying to set this up for someone who maybe is only seeing what we're about to talk about and not seeing the entire show. So we're going to talk about Jerron Willis, and we'll cut this into a separate video as well. So, um, Chris, as we get into Jerron Willis, South Carolina's new transfer portal linebacker, he was the second commitment to the Gamecocks on Sunday afternoon, along with Sidney Fugar, who was the first commitment. Welcome home from Shane Beamer. And someone that I think South Carolina went into this weekend as he was taking his official visit, probably feeling pretty good about and probably feeling even better about as the weekend progressed. Juju McDowell, former teammate of his, heavily involved. Uh, We're going to talk a bit about Willis as a player, but let's talk about the recruitment real quick first. I thought it was kind of fitting. Jerron Willis said, you know, Juju's kind of hard to say no to. And uh, that that just tracks for me with Juju McDowell's personality, uh, the way he just carries himself as a person. And he started off by telling me, you know, Juju didn't really push me to be a Gamecock. But it's just really hard to tell Juju no. (laughs) Yeah, put in put in a good word there. Juju did um, great personality, obviously on that kid, and and some ties, right? I mean, Juju in the twenty twenty one class out of recruiting out of Lee County, and Jerron Willis out of the twenty two class out of Lee County. So those two obviously knew each other, spent some time as Jerron Willis made his official visit to South Carolina. And this is a kid, Wes, that I remember uh, kind of us lightly covering. Uh, or maybe more than lightly covering when he was in high school because of that because of that tie, right? I mean, Lee County, same program that produced Jamie Robinson, who signed with South Carolina in the 2019 class, obviously finished his career at FSU, but spent some time at South Carolina. Then Juju McDowell, two cycles later, South Carolina able to land him, and then Jerron Willis. But for one reason or another, whatever it may have been at the time, I don't honestly even recall, not a lot of traction out of the 22 class with Willis in South Carolina. Originally committed to Georgia Tech, backed off of that commitment, um, and ended up signing with Ole Miss. And as you said, spent a semester there. But a kid that has, you know, just from a physical standpoint, Wes, has a lot of upside and was a highly ranked guy during his high school recruiting. So Jerron um, said he almost took a late visit to South Carolina out of high school. And it seems like we may were even tracking that, or we may have even had it as one of the. So for those who don't know, we'll like get word. Oh, this guy's expected on campus. I swear, Chris, I think there was a moment where we, we had him written down maybe, but didn't report. Hey, this guy's going to be on campus. And then it just never materialized. But there was a prior relationship there with Clayton White um, that at least I think we see in these transfer portal situations that can serve as a baseline relationship that you can sort of use to sort of go from there and that appears to be the case here with Willis for one sounded like he still wanted to be in the SEC two we mentioned the relationship with Juju and three there's at least just enough familiarity there with Clayton White with what he does on defense for there to be some heavy interest here from Jerome Willis takes the official visit 
Loved the family feel. Loved everything about the program. And I would imagine probably looked at the depth chart and said, hey, they're losing two seniors, two senior starters from this group. Huge opportunity for him to come in and potentially help South Carolina right away, especially if he can have a good spring practice. He'll be enrolling within the next week or so to start practice and start class, I should say. But, um, Chris, as we roll the film, how do you think this guy fits in? What are some thoughts on him after watching some of his high school film, which, again, is just from not this past season, obviously, in 2022, but mm. it's just you know a couple of seasons ago. This is him as a senior in high school. Yes, so went back. Obviously, he only played in one game at Ole Miss. Uh, I think just some light special teams work this past season. And so most of what you're going off of is indeed his high school senior film. So something you'll notice, Wes, is that just as he is, for those watching the video version on this first clip, I mean, he is coming off the edge a lot. And that is how the Lee County coaching staff like to use him, coming off the edge as a run blitzer. This guy's really physically put together well, six foot two. I think he's listed at what, 225, 230, something like that. Um, when I look at him, um, I had not even read your update with him quite yet because I was working on some other things. I know you got to interview him yesterday. I immediately thought this guy looks like a Will linebacker, right? Because he's someone that, um, you know, kind of like South Carolina employee Brad Johnson at times, Brad Johnson with the defensive line background, the edge background. They like to utilize his, him as a pass rusher some. I think Willis shows a lot of that ability, you know, size, athleticism. I think he played some DB early in his career at Lee County. And so that probably is his best attribute, just his ability to run and, and play off the edge. I think you see that on his high school film. Yeah, and we, you know, we saw all last year, Chris, South Carolina likes to blitz their linebackers. And, um, you know, I, I think that's something being aggressive and trying to trying to keep those guys out of coverage and, you know, sort of putting your 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 nickel and your one of your safeties in coverage and bringing at least one linebacker, pressuring him. Um, you know, that's a big part of what they do on defense. You would imagine that continues. And with Willis, I think the thing you really like is this is someone that does have some ready-made SEC size to him. Um, he does at least have one year or one semester where he's been in a college program at least, which I think even that is valuable over having to make that jump just from high school ball. Not everybody can do it right away. I certainly think South Carolina has someone in Pup Howard who has all the skills and intangibles to make that jump right away. But it, that's that's kind of rare. So I think going out getting someone who has been in a college program but also from your own sort of building your roster standpoint, you look and you say, all right, he's got four years of eligibility left as well. So this is not a one-and-done or even a two-and-done player. You can sort of build it out knowing more than likely you do have him for at least two years. And if you only have him for two years, that means he's just blown up and been phenomenal for you, which yeah. you'll you'll take that anyway, right? So um, yeah. in, in a weird way, you know, I almost wonder if you look at a roster building too, saying, well, that guy's used up his transfer. So now he's probably going to stick around at a place until he graduates or until he goes pro. And, you know, for Carolina, we, we've talked about sort of needing additional guys at linebacker. And I think when you just look at the totality of what they've landed this class, when you pair him up with Pup Howard, I, I like the additions to that room and the options that Clayton White is going to now have. 
Yeah, and I think South Carolina is in a, an interesting position because you do lose two senior starters. But you also look at it and say, you know, from at least an athletic standpoint, a production standpoint, you can still very much get better there. And so what I'm saying is not to diminish anything that Brad Johnson and Sherrod Green did during their careers. They made a lot of very positive contributions. They're not losing two first-round draft picks, right, at linebacker. So there's a big need there. Conversely, I mean, in that same line of thinking, South Carolina doesn't – they're not in a position where they 100% had to count on newcomers to necessarily start. Um, But they're also – so there's a bunch of layers to this, Wes, in a spot where they did have to find some immediate help or guys that are at least capable. So um, they found that in Grayson Howard from the high school ranks, Jerron Willis, who's an almost high school ranks type of guy, both two big physically gifted linebackers who won't necessarily have to start as true freshmen or won't necessarily have to pull down major snaps as true freshmen. If they're the best options and they earn that, Great. That just shows that they're hits, right? But they don't necessarily have to come in and start because there is there are still some guys on this roster that have some experience that have gotten their feet wet, that have played on special teams, that snaps at linebacker. You know, your Bam Martin Scotts, your Debo Williams, Stone Blanton as a true freshman this past season, and some other guys. They definitely needed to bolster at a minimum the depth here and find a couple guys that could potentially play early and maybe more. And so I think with Willis and Howard, they've they've probably done that here, and they've definitely added a couple guys that have, at the bare minimum, physical talent. You know, I think for Carolina, Chris, it's about getting a little bit more, for lack of a better way to say it, a little bit more sideline to sideline. And I think some of what teams were able to do to Carolina this season, run game and quick throw game to the outside, which I consider – run game, you know, extensions basically, or, or you you almost can include it with the running game. But it forces your linebackers to run back and forth, sideline to sideline, run, um, you know, sort of parallel to the field. And I think for Carolina, we saw teams get that edge on them quite a bit and turn the corner on them quite a bit this year. How many big plays came from that? It's not just about setting the edge up front defensively with your defensive line it's about being able to track the football and cut off those uh, those running lanes and cut off um, those angles basically so for Carolina I think potentially getting a little bit more athletic a little bit faster at the linebacking core um, is a priority and I, I think when you add guys like Pup you add guys like Tron Willis there's the potential to do that and some guys that have played in space in their career which I, I think is is very important as well. So there, again, Jerron Willis, former four-star guy. You see it there on your screen. Number uh, 21 linebacker, number 209 overall prospect, 2022 class, number 22 prospect out of Georgia. And uh, that is all in the on-three consensus, which, again, averages, as most of you probably already know, it averages all the major recruiting services rankings together. So we'll see, um, see if Carolina decides to bring in any other linebackers. I think that kind of fills your need for this cycle. They're always on the look, you know, for, for more guys that can help. But uh, for the most part, I think uh, a couple of good ads there for the 2023 class. And uh, we'll get it. We'll get a chance to see Willis in the spring and uh, certainly looking forward to doing that um, as well. So, all right, Chris, um, 
You want to talk about Fugar a little bit now? Yeah, let's talk about Fugar. Very, very interesting prospect and take, I think, along the offensive line. Um, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, South Carolina, obviously, the first welcome home from Sunday um, is uh, offensive tackle transfer, uh, Sidney Fugar. First of all, big kid, SEC size, uh, I think SEC athleticism. Probably a little bit raw, uh, you know, as a player, as he makes the jump from the FCS level. But, you know, I, I think O-line recruiting, you can kind of uh, – you're not always looking for someone, even in the portal, that can just come right in and, and play. I think for them, this move is about continuing to add another guy who sort of fits the mold you're looking for. And, you know, as we know, they, they had Isaiah Giada committed in this class. And he obviously decommitted, um, ended up going with Colorado. He's someone they, I think they really liked, Chris, and and I think Jada probably does compete at one of the tackle spots if he had stayed with South Carolina. Um, with Fugar, I don't know if you quite, if it's quite fair to put that on him yet. But the important thing here is let's go back to the eligibility. Three years left, which means for this to be a successful pickup, he doesn't necessarily have to come in and start right away. But you can get him in, let him go through the spring and start to get a feel for making this transition from the uh, from the FCS level to the SEC level. Yeah, and Western Illinois, Fugar's previous uh, home, not a good football team, Wes, overall. This is a guy that was, you know, lightly recruited. And, look, there are tons of guys at the Division II, FCS, Division three. Heck, we've seen guys drafted or catch on in the NFL. I think what you – look for here what you look at is just this is as you said a big guy with some traits that you feel like could potentially uh positively translate to the sec level um played left tackle at western illinois south carolina seems to like him as a potential left tackle and it's going to be interesting west because i think you look back at kind of the history here and when i talked to fugar over the weekend after he committed kind of asked him about the process that got South Carolina looking at him. And, of course, if, if you kind of look at his bio, he played, you know, he's he's a Maryland guy, you know, and he so he played his high school ball up in the DMV, up in the Northeast area. And, obviously, South Carolina has a lot of ties, does a lot of recruiting in that area. But Lonnie Teasley was actually at a previous small school stop, North Carolina Central, was actually looking at Fugar. And so – Kind of kept him on the radar over the years. Came across him again, Wes, and was really pleasantly surprised, I think you could say. It's kind of how Fugar put it, uh, about his progression as a player. He lost some weight, reshaped his body. And so that's another thing you think about, Wes, when you get a smaller school guy, nothing against Western Illinois, but from a resource standpoint, what he'll get at South Carolina from a nutrition uh, standpoint, from a weight room standpoint, training, resources, it'll level up. And so if you take a big guy that has some traits, uh, I don't think you can discount how much that could help his game grow. Yeah, man, and I, I think um, hopefully uh, – hold on, y'all y'all hang with me here. We are, we've reached the level to where we are now streaming Twitter videos – onto GC Live that have been filmed with a phone that have music playing that I have not vetted at all for what might be being said. So I think I got that muted now. 
And may, maybe y'all can see something from this. I, I don't know. Uh, we're going to talk about him anyway. But, uh, yeah, traits is a good word, man. When it comes to offensive linemen, when it comes to quarterbacks, give me traits and let's go from there. And, uh, you know, I, I think this is a guy that um, tremendous upside, has long arms, has size, has length, and um, and good feet. You know, you take him and, and you, you mold him from there. And, uh, you know, I, I think Carolina did a good job of getting him in. Had the prior relationship. Also took an official visit to Cincinnati, which has been a pretty good program as well. Uh, I think that says something. And, uh, you know, we'll see what Carolina does with him. And just when you look at what they lost from the O-line, let's talk totality. A really, really talented freshman class, mm-hmm. Chris. And now you, you're just adding another tackle even if you don't want to put that expectation on him for starting right away, I think was important. Yeah, and you've got your left tackle from this season in Jalen Nichols back back next year, which is big. Um, you also have Ja'Kai Moore back as a guy that could play left tackle for you. Um, obviously, at the end of the season, they settled in with Moore at left guard and Jalen Nichols at left tackle. So there's not this immense pressure for – you know, it's not like bringing in a junior college guy and saying, Phew, you're the starter, we hope you can do it, you know, type of thing. Um, so, but at the same time, this isn't like a luxury take either. Yes, he has, what, three years, I guess, Wes, technically of eligibility remaining. But this is someone that you probably need to get in, in spring ball, assess him, and hope that um, he's good enough to give you some legitimate depth or, or better, you know, on the offensive line, both now and then into the future. So. Um, we'll see how that goes, but yeah, losing Jada as a as a JUCO commitment, we know that even like looking back in the summer, August, September, South Carolina's offensive line class was on paper pretty pretty doggone good. It's all the guys that they signed um, back in December, plus Jada at that time. Even then, we were hearing they may want to look at another junior college guy or another transfer from the portal that made some sense. So. Um, they thought that this guy, especially in, in light of losing Jada, made some sense and that, um, you know, he's someone that they can coach up, level up once he gets to the SEC level and has, like I said, those those positive traits that might can translate. By the way, speaking of uh, offensive tackle recruiting, uh, a little bit of interesting news as we were doing the show, Cam Pringle, uh, Woodland four-star offensive tackle, according to some, Chris, the number one offensive tackle in the 2024 class. Um, may may even have a competitor for that right here in his own state, uh, Josiah Thompson from Dillon. The the best duo of O-line guys that I have seen in our state in the same class probably since I've been covering this stuff. But I'll get to the point. Pringle has set his announcement date, Chris. January 22nd, final six, he announced, um, I guess that was last week. Georgia, NC State, Clemson, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Florida. No particular order there. Gamecocks have been on this guy forever. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know when we first heard about Cam Pringle. But when we first heard about Cam Pringle, it was future national prospect. Yep. Now the decision date is here. I remember talking to his high school coach, Eddie Ford, down at Woodland West about Pringle. And 
had not heard the name, had not seen his film, anything, and heard about him, got the name, kind of okay. And then and then you take a look and you look at the film, and you're like, wow, that is a big kid. And I think he was a freshman at the time, you know, and then Wes, we saw him many times um walking through the the doors of the Spurrier indoor practice facility. A giant human being walks in and if you didn't see him initially, you would see a bunch of staffers flocking towards the front door and wonder what all the fuss was about. And so it was not it was a lot of times it was Cam Pringle. So he's been on the radar a long time, man. And South Carolina hosted on a bunch of visits, made him a huge priority. And here, here's the thing for South Carolina, continuity, Wes, on the offensive line in terms of coaching. Greg Atkins has been the offensive line coach with Lonnie Teasley as the analyst. Those guys have built a relationship, a lot of, Gamecock football support staffers in the recruiting office doing a really good job building those relationships. And those are now still in place with Teasley taking over the full-time job. And Greg Adkins also projected to remain on staff in, a, in another role as well. I still remember, and I, I won't say the name of the coach, but, um, you know, this staff hadn't been here too long at South Carolina. And I remember Cam walking by, walking in there for the first time under the new staff. and. I guess one of the guys that wasn't really recruiting him seeing Cam up close for the first time. And it was like um, Twitter eyeball emojis, like, holy. And a coach commented basically, like, that's the best looking, like, off the hoof physically. It's the best looking offensive tackle prospect I've maybe ever seen. So, uh, again, we're just talking about looks, like how he, when he walks in, the, Cam Pringle is a first off the bus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All first off the bus team. Yes. First team. hundred <laughs> percent. And again, yep. he and Josiah Thompson, if you, if you can hit on that duo in state for the class for 2024, um, that is a, I won't say a heck of a start because I think they already got their start uh, with this 2023 class, but that is a heck of a way to continue building your O-line class. If you're South Carolina, um, still a couple of weeks. Let's see. What is the 22nd? Two Sundays from now. Um, I think the Gamecocks are in pretty good shape. We'll, of course, keep digging on that. But uh certainly feels like South Carolina has done a ton of work to put themselves in position there to land Cam Pringle. And, Chris, you know, it, it's just hitting me. We actually have not done a show since the contracts were finalized late last week. Mm -hmm. And the biggest news there, obviously – an extension and raise for Shane Beamer puts him much more in line with um, the the market as far as SEC coaches go. And then uh, the the other big news uh, was Lonnie Teasley officially being uh, made the full time O line coach has served for actually most of this year as kind of the interim O line coach. And you know there were there was a there was a sense from a couple of fans here and there you know about maybe wanting South Carolina to go out and get some big name. Everybody I have talked to, Chris, that like has worked with Lonnie Teasley and has been around him and has had opportunities to sort of see what he is all about, has raved about him, um, has been incredibly happy for him as a person. And, um, you know, I, I thought the job he's done the last two years, just stepping in and um, taking over for a line that he was not the coach for initially has said a lot about his ability and his uh, ability to connect with young people. 
Yeah, and that's not the easiest thing to do for players or a coach. You know, obviously, as an analyst, you can build relationships in recruiting and recruiting and with the players, but there are limitations. And to, so to step in is not the easiest thing in the world. So last year, you got to do that some. This year, in terms of on field coaching, this year, even more. I mean, took over what in September and carried through for really the entire season. And so I think it was something for Shane Beamer where, you know, is it a is it a loyalty pick? Sure. Is it a reward pick? Sure. But it's also, I think Shane Beamer knows the importance of everything um, in terms of his staff hires on offense, bringing in a new OC. We know that the new OC, Dowell Loggins, of course, who ended up being the hire, was going to have some input into the staff and what he thought too. So obviously running all of that through that process, they came out with Lonnie Teasley being the best option. And so mentioned continuity earlier, Wes. Continuity with the offensive linemen currently on the team and then in terms of recruiting as well. You think about the guys that just signed that you mentioned, this this really good class from 2023. And then you think about the work they've done in 24 as well, and that starts with Pringle and Thompson. This gives you an opportunity to keep that going. Uh, but you also have a guy that really, I think, earned his stripes on the field too because he did a, a solid job with this offensive line in terms of his own field coaching at South Carolina as well. Yeah, you know, I think rewarding a guy who has earned it you know, there's a lot of talk about culture and culture in this program and building culture, um, not just in football, but in any business, in any company. I think rewarding the guy who earns a spot, you know, as opposed to kind of just always looking for the big hot name outside hire, um, you know, I, I think that that matters to people. And when they see people in-house get rewarded, uh, I think that uh, that rubs off. So, um Happy for Lonnie Teasley. I think it's a really good move for South Carolina. And I, I do think he'll do well. And like you said, man, continuity across the board. Having Greg Atkins still involved. And, um, you know, some some of the guys off the field there, um, you know, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, guys keeping that relationship with Cam Pringle and, you know, the job that, like, Taylor Edwards has done, the job, um, you know, you look at with the offensive linemen in particular, Sam Surbay, uh, the job he's done building relationships with those guys when they're on campus. I mean, all those things are very, very important. And the O-line group potentially could be the best back-to-back -back classes we've probably ever seen South Carolina sign. Um, e you know, even, Chris, when Carolina was really rolling in recruiting and uh, that you had the big names in-state, <laughs> they were able to land the Lattimores, the Clownies, the Gilmores, the Alshons. Offensive line recruiting wasn't quite to – what this would be on paper if they can sort of add together and stack 2023 with what they could potentially have in 2024. Yeah. And I feel like the data is like better nowadays, Wes, on guys. It's still an imperfect process, right? But just the amount of film, the amount of scouting, the amount of research that these schools can do. So on paper, I think, what was it? Maybe it might've even been that 2007 class or the 2006 one right before it had some really highly ranked offensive linemen in it. Um, not all of them panned out, of course, but you look at the guys in this class and man, there, there's a lot to like about, you know, you think of the highest rated guys and um, in the class, like Marky Anderson, for instance, Trayvon Ball, the, the traits that they bring, the, there's, there's a lot to like there. And so um, there were a couple, you know, a couple guys, you know, you mentioned the in-state players. I mean, heck, 
Brandon Shell, 2011, AJ Can. He was certainly a highly ranked guy. But um, just in terms of stacking them and then stacking two classes back to back, you mentioned earlier Pringle and Thompson. Hard, hard to think of kind of a offensive tackle duo together that South Carolina would have a chance in recent memory to, to put together like that would be pretty impressive. So um, all those guys that you mentioned have done a really good job in terms of offensive line recruiting, putting it together. And they could be uh, due West in less than a couple of weeks to reap some more uh, of the, uh, of the fruit from that process. No doubt, man. You know who else has done a really good job or can do a really, really good job for you are our friends at Liberty tax. Uh, they're going to help you overcome your tax anxiety. 803-462-5576. Believe it or not, guys and girls, it is tax time again. So if you're in the hurry for your refund, uh, you need to get this process knocked out right now, fast, accurate, and guaranteed. You can call the team at Liberty Tax. Uh, if you think you might be owing uh, Uncle Sam some money, you can also talk to them about that. Uh, they're going to find every single possible de deduction for you. Locally owned and operated. They're staffed by tax professionals. From your neighborhood, they're open 9 to 9 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays. You do have multiple options there, Chris. Uh, you can do it starting with the Liberty Tax mobile app. You can use a desktop portal. You can make an appointment. Or you can just walk in, say hello, and you can tell them you heard about them on GC Live. And then you can say, I need help doing my taxes. So do just that, 803-462-5576. What do you think about that, Chris? I think that sounds awesome. Wes, I think they should definitely go in. Say they heard about them on GC Live, get those taxes done. It's important, man. Very, very important to get those taxes done on time. Don't neglect it. Don't be and, that guy or that girl. And, and very important to pay Uncle Sam, to pay Uncle Sam what you owe so you don't go to jail, but also <laughs> to not pay Uncle Sam any more than you have to as yes, well. Yes, they can help you with that there. Yes, at hit them up, promise you. They'll take care of you, and uh, appreciate Larry for taking care of us here on the show. Uh, let's see. What else we got, man? Um, Trajan Jeffcoat is in the transfer portal as of Sunday. Yep. If you're the Gamecocks, are you making that phone call, Chris? <laughs> nah, just leave it be. Yeah, uh, that's uh, – <laughs> hey, by the way, Gerald Abraham – Blake Franks shouldn't be overlooked. That's correct. Greenville's Blake Franks in that equation. Probably the reason we didn't mention Wes. More of a Clemson lean right now. Did visit campus recently. He's been on campus several times. Just wanted to make sure we threw that in. Good point, Gerald. Um, yeah, not yeah. not a slight on him as a player. That was yes. more um, keeping the focus on the on the on the thing there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trajan Jeffcoat, man, Irmo native. You pointed out earlier today, list his hometown as Columbia. Position of need, all the stars have aligned. So, um, you know, folks are asking, what's the chances? What's the chances? I mean, I, I think let's just be frank. It would kind of be, I think at this point, Wes, a pretty big upset if he doesn't end up at South Carolina. But th this is one where, you know, good player, former first-team All-SEC guy in 2020 and a productive player who's played in 47 games as a college football player and a local guy to boot happens to be in the portal playing a position that you, you pretty badly need. Yeah. And, um, Hey, recruit more Irmo guys. How about that? I mean, Nick, Nick has obviously been very kind to the Gamecocks and they, they very nearly offered Trajan Jeffcoat. Um, 
you know, I, I remember a stretch there. Carolina kind of flirted with offering him. They did the same, I believe, with uh, Kendrell Flowers, the running back who was there. And, you know, I, I think absolutely would have landed him if they had offered him and probably would have had a pretty good career here at South Carolina. You look at those Missouri defensive lines. The thing I remember about those uh, defensive line groups, man, is it felt like there was never that one during this last little stretch, probably five years or so, not necessarily the one dominant guy, but all the almost all those D-lines got pressure. And certainly this year, um, Jeff Coates' numbers this year don't jump off the page. But he was a starter. As you said, he's played in a ton of college games. And really that entire Missouri D-line, as we saw in Columbia with our own eyes, <laughs> um, did a really good job of making plays keeping their opponents um, off balance and getting into the backfield of opponents. Yeah, they did super disruptive and he was uh, a key cog in that engine. I mean, made a lot of plays against South Carolina and other teams, I think had six sacks in the abbreviated 2020 season. So uh, we'll see where things go. Obviously when you look at um, South Carolina, particularly Wes, I mean, workouts start this week. Classes start this week. So, for not all transfer guys, because the portal's still open, as we know, um, doesn't have to be done today, for instance. But uh, there is some potential for a situation like Trajan Jeffcoat to kind of accelerate or move pretty quickly now that he's in the transfer portal. So, we'll see where that goes. But a guy that brings size, experience, local flavor, and again, it, it kind of meets a big positional need. I, I, I think – if they land him, he would not be the only player that they need from either the current roster to step up or even a new addition. Obviously, the freshman that you mentioned earlier in the show, Desmond Umio Zulu, Monique Rames, they're going to need those guys too. Uh, but this, this would be, I think, a significant addition to the team. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we talked about it, Chris, the absence or the loss of Jordan Birch. You kind of, these days, you judge those things by what can you do as far as bringing in somebody to replace them. And I, I think this... This just makes a lot of sense on all from all sides of this thing. So um, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But yeah, like you said, I think it. You'd have to say it's a pretty big upset if it doesn't end up going that way. Uh, so portal guys, I'm gonna try to give y'all a little rundown right now. So Chris, on Friday, I posted on the Insiders Forum. Watch out for these names, and. The names we gave at the time were Micah Bernard, Sidney Fugar, Jamari Thrash, Jerron Willis, and Travez Johnson. Um, obviously, several of those guys ended up visiting over the weekend. Willis and Fugar committed to South Carolina. Travez Johnson commits to Missouri. That's got to be considered a bit of an upset, I feel like. Um, yeah. So, you know, South Carolina had the Torian Gray connection, one of uh, Johnson's recruiters from Florida, um, kind of tag team, the other DB coach there at Florida. And then, you know, Auburn had the a, another staffing connection there. So it seemed like one of those two. He did take the official to Missouri, and we were kind of tracking that. But it kind of, for me, I'll be honest, kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, McGriff, the uh, coach there at, uh, at Auburn, I, 
I'm with you, man. I at first I was like sort of blindly was like, oh, this guy will go to South Carolina. And then I realized the Auburn connection and I was like, well, maybe not. And then he mentioned, you know, oh yeah, I went to Missouri as well. I was like, well, I guess you have to consider them, but I I completely uh I, I guess lowballed what Missouri was capable of on this one. And uh they get the job done there. Uh let's see who else. So Jamari Thrash, that was one I mentioned um because he kind of been mentioned to me in passing. Doesn't really seem like South Carolina ended up doing a ton there. Georgia State wide receiver. He committed to Louisville. Um and then uh Micah Bernard actually did end up visiting this weekend, but uh do not expect um him to end up at South Carolina. South Carolina never really officially offered there and uh don't expect them to uh moving forward. Um Andrew asks any insight on Lane from Clover going to Virginia Tech. Uh no real insight, but from what I heard there as well, South Carolina never really made that move, never really offered. I think they probably – I think there was interest there. I'm not going to speak for him and say they would have definitely gotten him. But I did hear, Chris, there was um, some fairly heavy interest there from him. But he also moved pretty quick. A lot of these guys, there's only so long that you can go ahead and take visits before you got to make a decision if you're going to be in class um, at your new place. So Lane to VT. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that we're tracking closely right now. There are a couple of other guys that we have been told to maybe look out for that were in the portal, uh, but I don't even think we ever reported because we were still kind of trying to figure out if there's actual traction there or if it's just in passing. But, um, I mean, Chris, so you got a linebacker from the portal. Yep. Um, let, let's just assume for this discussion they add Jeff Coat. So there's there's your edge guy. We talked all last week. They're going to have to go get an edge guy. There's your edge guy. I got to think you maybe you maybe want to still go get a receiver. Obviously, the Rattler decision and the Juice decision could affect those things in a lot of ways. But either way, I think if you find the right wide receiver, I got to imagine they'll go do that. And I, I think you you still want a running back as well. Yeah, we know for sure that they have, you know, been looking at portal wide receivers, not found that match yet. Um, running backs, I mean, of course, they recruited, in addition to Mario Anderson from Newberry, they were in on uh, the running back from Oklahoma State that ended up uh, committing to Oregon. Uh, and so, had, Dominic, had him, uh, talking about Dominic Richardson? Yeah, Dominic Richardson. Yeah, I uh, think he went to Baylor. Baylor, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yep. I keep saying Oregon. I'm mixing up the colors, I think. Yep. Regardless, uh, ended up committing elsewhere. Uh, had him in on an official visit. Looked, you know, fairly promising, but there was always kind of that, oh, I just don't really know. Ends up committing to another school. So, um, we know that they would have taken two backs at that time. Now, one thing to keep in mind, Wes, is like if you kind of look at the scholarship situation for South Carolina, yes, you can take – if South Carolina wanted to take – 174 prospects in this class on paper. Technically, there's no rule against that, but uh, you can't because you're still limited to the 85. The, the 25 initial counter, initial scholarship rule is no longer in place to allow coaches some some flexibility there, but they have to abide by that 85. So whatever you bring in, you have to account for going out as well. So they're tight right now 
but there are still those needs. You know, I think you haven't fully addressed edge, I don't think, but you, if you can get Jeff Coat, you have addressed it in some, in some form. Um, running back, receiver, those seem to still be big needs. There could be others, you know, I mean, maybe the possibility of a corner if one pops up, something like that. But point is, it's getting pretty tight with some needs still on the board out there. Yeah, and, um, obviously they were going after Travis Johnson, so that, that tells you they, they wanted a DB. Um, Travez was more of a nickel, uh, which does make sense. I think that would sort of – you kind of free up DQ to, to just go play safety if you do that, I think. But you know what struck me watching Carolina against Notre Dame without Darius Rush, without Cam Smith? I If it's me – and again, it's, it's a, can you find the person that fits this? I don't know. There has to be that mutual match. Like this is not – a video game. This is not NCAA football. Like the guys have to be out there, you know, and I, I don't know if they are or not. And then they have to be interested, but I think they need a little more size at corner. It struck me that their corners looked very similar in stature against Notre Dame. Whereas before, when you had your full group, you had your sort of smaller, you know, more um, kind of, loose-hipped um, type guys, and then you had your your lengthy, long-striding um, guy who could match up with anybody guy in Darius Rush. I think that's important. I think mm-hmm. Carolina played pretty physical um, on the edge at cornerback when you're talking about Cam and talking about Darius. Um, they need to, I think, add some more. Now, maybe one of these young guys, maybe that's an Anthony Rose thing. Yeah, yeah, maybe Emory Floyd has a great offseason. Still not the biggest guy. So yeah. we'll see. This is not – we can't look at the team last year, you know, this season that just completed, and pretend the young guys can't get better because they absolutely can. Yeah. However, as we look at it right now, if a lockdown cornerback with connections happened to just pop up, I think you pounce on that immediately if you're Carolina. Yeah, and again, I mean, there there probably weren't many freshman DBs that would have come in and South Carolina signed some highly rated ones that were going to come in and, all right, well, we're taking Cam Smith and Darius Rush's jobs, two NFL players. Probably not. Um, and Cam, you know, a high-round draft pick. Darius worked himself into a draft pick as well and a great special teams player too. So probably wasn't going to happen. And so what that means, we haven't really seen enough. We do know that those guys have talent. I mean, we didn't see any of Rose this year, and he, Wes, is the one that really – physically at least, could project as that guy who can match up with anybody, great length, great size, can run, can be physical based on what he did in high school. So, And there are some others. They're, they're, they're far from a finished product. But that said, there, there are still those questions. And so, you know, if you can bring in a ready-made guy, if he happens to pop up, it would, it would definitely make some sense. No doubt. Um, all right, so that's going to do it for us today. I appreciate everybody for joining us. And um, as always, we're going to keep tracking this stuff. Um, Big weekend game, Cock Nation. Again, I'll close it out the same way that we started. Uh, upcoming decision at some point, Spencer Rattler. Upcoming decision, Juice Wells. And, of course, Chris, um, potentially some portal guys uh, committing to Carolina. You look at Jeff Coat, you got to imagine that um, he's going to want to make a decision here pretty quickly. South Carolina more than likely the favorite there. And then in the next, uh, actually under two weeks now, we'll have the Cam Pringle announcement on the 22nd as well. So we will be 
tracking that moving forward. Never a dull moment around here. And uh, that is what Gamecock Central and GC Live is for, is bringing you all the latest on all that. So, again, appreciate y'all. He is Chris. I am Wes. Uh, we'll be back either – I don't know. We'll find out. If, if news happens, we'll be back. Otherwise, you'll probably have Talking Tuesday with Mike tomorrow, and then we'll try to get in another show later this week. So, all right, sounds good. See you then.